Hello, LWC family and friends. We're so excited that you joined us today, whether it's in person or online. We just want to welcome you. Happy 4th of July. So it's Independence Day today, and it's a great place to be at Living Words because we celebrate the freedom that we have in Jesus. And it's a great day for you to be here because our dear friends, Phil and Patty Hicks, are with us. And Phil's going to be bringing a, a word to you this morning, whether you're online or whether you're in person. And I believe God's going to reach, touch, and just do some amazing things in people's lives. At Living Word Chapel, we value generosity. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to do everything that we do here. And so whether you give online at lwconline.org or you give in person at one of our giving stations or you give through the mail, uh, we just want to thank you for what you do. Now, if you're new here with us, we want you to feel at home and don't feel any pressure to give because you are the gift to us today. So thank you for being here. We have a couple really great events coming up. First one that we're really excited about is on August 1st at 11 a.m. We will be having our first morning service at our Kearney campus. We are really excited about that, so put that on your calendar. And also, here at our Oracle campus, we're going to be having a, an amazing night of worship July 24th at 6.30. So we hope you join us for both of those events. Wonderful. You know, um, as we get ready to to do what we came to do, and that's worship the one who's worthy of worship, Jesus Christ, we want you to know that, uh, that God has an amazing plan for you. And you're being here or you watching online is not going to be wasted time. God is going to do something special today. So let's go to him, praise and worship.
I wanted to take a, the opportunity before we get into it to let you guys know that these cups could be quite difficult, and you could be seated if you like. Um, there's a top plastic on them that it would be better if you peel back to get the bread out before you flip it over and hit the bottom hard plastic, and then you could pull and partake of the juice in it. So just letting you know. this morning 1st Corinthians 11 23 through 26 and first before I do that is there anybody that hasn't received one of the elements yet if you do not raise your hand we can get a volunteer to pass one out to you so 1st Corinthians 11 for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which I give for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after the supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So the worship team's going to play the next song. And as they're playing, my prayer is that you guys just take a moment, examine yourself, and when you're ready, go ahead and partake of the communion today. Lord, I just pray that everybody that just hears your word this morning, Lord, just opens their heart and that they put their whole trust in you, Father, and that they don't just hear your word, they apply it to their life daily. In this I pray. Thank you. of God born of his spirit washed in his
just thank you, Lord, for this morning to worship you, God. Oh, what a Savior, Savior you are, Lord, that you saved my soul. Lord, I just thank you for <clears throat> just being steadfast and just being our foundation, God, and just being the most worthy to worship, the only one that's worthy to worship, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for everyone that's here. I thank you for this service, Lord, um, for Bill Hicks as he gives the message today, and just for the freedom that we have in this country to worship you, God, and just do it freely uh, without worry, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for being a good God. In Jesus' name I pray. Are you looking for a life-changing story that will inspire, provoke, encourage, and awaken the hearts of your prodigal sons and daughters? Look no further. The Cross and the 357 Magnum is available at www.jesusbehindbars.com. This amazing page-turner is a faith builder for believers and a lightning rod for those who are in search of their true identity. Go to www.jesusbehindbars.com today and help send author missionary Philip Hicks back to prison. to go back to prison with me. I know it sounds kind of strange. Raise your hand if you've never heard my testimony before. Okay, well, there goes the message then. <laughs> Patty often, I, I want to honor my precious wife of 29 years, Patty Hicks right here. Patty. In case you don't know or haven't heard, Patty is a professional clown. Yes, sir. She is. I'm married up. I always put her on a pedestal, that way she can change the light bulbs and clean the cobwebs. And uh, 
when she comes from the home from the grocery store, I always open the door because she couldn't turn the knob on all those heavy sacks of groceries. You know what I'm talking about? You know that's not true, right? We uh, love to bring entertainment, bring laughter. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Amen? But the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. There's a time to laugh and there's a time to cry. There's a serious side of funny. And this is my heart today to be used of God to impart the serious side of funny, the serious side of the world in which we live, the moment in which we live. Because this is not playtime play anymore. Uh, if you look around us, you'll see things are really, uh, let's just say they're just, they're falling apart. But aren't we glad that when we have a relationship in Christ Jesus, we're not falling apart anymore, amen? I was kidding with Emma back there a while ago. Uh, I said, you know, uh, I said, are y'all uh, streaming this? And she said, yeah, well, you need to talk to my agent to get a release because I'm somebody. <laughs> and she said, she said, she graciously said, so she slapped me. No, I'm just kidding. She, she said, oh, we, we wondered if we could get you back again. You're so important. <laughs> you know, we need to become a nobody in order to become a somebody in Christ Jesus. We must decrease so he must increase. The title of this message is, we need to get busy dying so we can get busy living. Everybody say, get busy dying so we can get busy living. Let's go over these scriptures together with me, and, and just we're just going to read them from the heart. And just The Lord says, you, you hide his word in your heart so you will not sin against him. But I ask the Holy Spirit just to just hide these words, these scriptures, each in the heart, because it ties in to get busy dying so we can get busy living. So go ahead, please, Christy. Everyone read together. Truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat fall into the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. He must increase but I must decrease, John the Baptist. He must increase, so I must decrease. I am crucified with Christ, and I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, word of our testimony, and by loving not our lives to the end. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself, by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And he, Jesus, was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. We need to get busy dying so we can get busy leave, living. We need to decrease. It's not about us, it's about others. As we know, Jesus' last um, act of love on the cross was he turned to a prisoner who repented on that cross. So there's room at the cross for us all, amen? 
but let's not take God's grace for granted because it, we could die today. And are we ready when we do die? Let's be assured of that, uh, of that relationship with Jesus Christ so that we can know for sure that we're going to go to heaven. But it's not about just waiting on heaven, is it? It's about living the abundant life that God's called us and has promised to give us. And this is tied in directly to decreasing to ourself so that Jesus can live that life through us. He says, take my yoke upon you because it's light and easy. He can handle all this mess a lot more than we can, can he not? I want to stop for a moment and honor Shirley Cannon, who's watching right now. And I know Brother Bob Cannon is watching from heaven right now. Years ago, after I got out of prison, I went to college in or at Oral Roberts University and got a degree. And I took that video reel out to California, up to Eureka, California, to apply for a job at a television station. It was there that I attended a church pastored by Bob and Shirley Cannon. And afterwards, Bob and I, uh, we just became instant friends. He became a father in the faith to me, a mentor. And uh, we took long walks. He said, listen, here's the barn behind our little parsonage, and you can park your little customized Ford behind it. And here's a tree right here. And he, he opened up a door in the back of the tree. There was a commode, or y'all call it toilets. Anyway, a commode inside the tree that his dad put in there. He said, you can do your business in here, and you can have your meals with us in the house while you're, you know, applying for those jobs. I missed that time walking, taking those long walks with Bob. I missed those times. And you know, it's the same thing as taking a walk with Jesus, tearing for one hour, spending quality time, choosing the Mary and Sarah the Martha, because that's when we're going to really, really press into that relationship with Jesus. I love Kyle this morning, watching him hold his child's hand while we were worshiping. Children need their parents to be present in their lives. Amen? And God is our Father, and so he wants us to be present in his life and vice versa. We were created to be family. Amen? We're not uh, loners. We're created to spend time with our Father God. I had the honor with my patty cakes. Well, I call her patty cakes. You can too if you'd like. Uh, we, this is our fifth week on the road, and, uh, and then we're heading back home. And we'll just pray to see when God wants to send us out again. But before we went, I flew down to Florida because Florida and the Texas are only two states that the prisons are open for ministry. And, uh, and I had the honor of uh, tag-teaming with a brother from Rayford Prison where I was incarcerated, maximum security prison in northern Florida, Ernie Setzler. He sings like Lou Rawls. I don't know if you remember Lou Rawls or not. But we were, he, would, he would worship, bring us into the presence of God, and I would preach my heart out. And one day I said, you know, why don't, why don't we do a duet? You and I can sing together. And he started laughing at me. He said, well, you know, you've got a good voice, but you need some training. Thanks a lot. I'll never go back with him again. But no, it's, it's true. We need to be trained. Amen? And that applies to everything in our life. Train up a child the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. We need to be working on our salvation with fear and trembling. We need to be practicing, practicing, practicing. Got back, and then Patty and I headed out. When we got to Lindell, Texas, this was last weekend. Has anybody ever heard of Lindell, Texas? The ministries that have come out of Lindell, Texas. David Wilkerson was based there before God called him home. Keith Green. I don't know if you remember Keith Green or not. He died in a plane crash early in life. His two children on the plane with him. Uh, one late night, we, people wondered, well, why would God allow this to happen? More people have come to know Jesus because of that untimely death than any other time of his fruitful ministry. 
More people have come to know Jesus because of his death. Amen? And when we get busy dying so that we can get busy living, more people will come to know Jesus through our testimony. We overcome by three things. The blood of the Lamb. If you are a Christian, when you sin, not if you sin, but when you sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Amen? And we're washed in the blood. He looks at the blood. And he remembers our sins no more. Amen? So why should we remember them? We just hit delete on shame and we just get up and keep going. Though a righteous man falls seven times or more than that, he gets up and keeps on going. Let's not live in our failures of the past, but let's be, be confident in, in what God's perspective is of us. He wants us to know that, that, that he loves us even in our weakness. But when we come to Christ, he doesn't want us to stay the way we were. That's how much he loves us. We sing about freedom, and there, we're of the Spirit of the Lord, as there is freedom, but God wants that freedom to be based on that relationship with him. The blood of the Lamb is number one in the word of our testimony. No test, no testimony. Amen? But this is the most difficult one, is the, is the third part. We love not our lives to the end. It's important that we hate our lives in this world so that we can enjoy what life really is all about. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven, God, we're praying heaven down here. We can experience heaven right down here. Because if we're in Christ Jesus, we're seated in the right hand of God. Amen? We don't have to wander through all this mess and stuff. We can know who we are and what our identity is in Christ Jesus. We're in Lindell, Texas. I was scheduled to, to minister at the Calvary Commission. Calvary Commission was founded in 1977 by Joe Foss, an Assembly of God pastor. He went into a, a, a local jail, and he said, I would like to minister here, talking to a captain. A major across the room sitting there, and he yelled out, Pastor, they need help when they get out. And that's where Calvary Commission was born. And Patty and I had the honor to minister there last weekend. We thought that's all it was going to be about, but God always has a different plan that exceeds our expectations. Amen. And we just need to be ready and prepared for what that is. Because then they uh, asked us, they said, we're going to have ministry under the bridge to the homeless on Monday night. We'd like to have you speak there. We're all over that. And then the next day, we got to speak to the chapel, to the former inmates who are called by his name to become missionaries to the world. Since 1977, men and women have been handpicked by God. Thousands of applications, but they've been handpicked to attend Calvary Commission. They can get a degree, but the key, the most important part of Calvary Commission is they become disciples. And they're being transformed by the love and the power of God to go out into all the world and become missionaries. And sometimes we're called to be missionaries across the street to where we live, to our neighbors and other people. We can't rely on somebody else to do it. We have to say, God... I'm called by your name. I need to do decrease so that I can walk in your power, in the power of your resurrection. It was an amazing time there spent in Lindell, Texas. And we found out something about Keith Green who wrote the book No Compromise. And that will really, really impact your life if you ever have time to read it. Because he died there on that ranch when the plane went down. Melody Green has continued the ministry, last day's ministry. And that ministry really ministered to me when I was incarcerated. But uh, there was a group of Korean uh, brothers uh, and families that were on the West Coast 
they were looking for land to start a ministry. And they heard about some property in Lindell, Texas. They knew nothing about what took place in Lindell, Texas. But they bought the property. And Joe Foss from Calvary had the opportunity to go over and speak to them and tell them about the history of Lindell, Texas. They started the, it's a Jesus Missionary Prayer Institute. And people from all over the world are coming there to learn and spend time with God and, and really getting their prayer life charged up. Joe called Melody Green to tell her what had taken place, and she was beside herself. Here again, death bred life. And now lives are being changed from all over because what Satan has meant for evil, God has turned for good. There's a precious friend of Patty and mine, her husband, they live in Joplin, Missouri, and they, they designed our website, and he recorded our audio book that's on the table out there. And uh, uh, her name is Ashley Coates, and she sent me this email some time ago, and I want to read it to you, because it really, really spoke to me, and I pray that it speaks to all of us, because this is what it's all about, it encapsulates it, if you will. She writes, when we come to Christ, it is no longer about ourselves, but about Him. My dreams, my desires, my hopes, my wants, my life should all be replaced by his dreams, his desires, his hopes, his wants, his life. It's not about me anymore because I'm dead to myself. And how can a dead man desire or want anything? Or how can he get offended or hurt by anything? If we are truly dead to ourselves, then we can be fully filled with God and all he wants for us which, by the way, is far greater than anything we think we need or want. Who saw the movie Shawshank Redemption? Okay, we'll get it for you, those that haven't seen it yet. The, uh, I was, we were brought to Florida a few years back to speak at a, uh, a fundraiser for Evangelism Explosions. And, uh, uh, and they put us up in the beach bungalows. And by the way, we want to thank y'all for putting us up in the, in the Rancho, uh, what was it, Rancho Robles? It was wonderful. Thank you so much. Give us a break getting out of the motor home. Thank you so much. We thank you. They put us up in the beach bungalows, and we walked in there, and our son was only about nine at that time. Is that right, Patty? Cody? He's 22 now. Please pray for Cody. He's wandering in the desert just like most all of us have done. Amen. And uh, they had fruit, fruit, the fruit bowls were filled and they had food in the, in the refrigerator. And, of course, we filled up our suitcase with that, of course, you know. I mean, it's just, and, uh, and then we went, took Cody out on the, on the beach to see the ocean. And God provided fish for us. There were dead fish, thousands of them floating belly up all over there. It's called the red tide, twice a year or something in the water. I didn't know about that, but I just uh, was reminded of God's provision. I guess you might say sushi. Is that good, Patty? She loves sushi. But that night before I walked up on the platform to speak, the Lord reminded me, for whatever reason, of Shawshank Redemption when Tim Robbins was talking to Morgan Freeman, Andy Dufresne, Red, etc., about hope. They'd both been down about 20 years by that time. And Morgan Freeman said to Tim Robbins, said, forget about hope. You're going to be in here forever. And that's what the world would say to you sometimes. Tim Robbins turned to Morgan Freeman and said this. He said, you need to get busy living or get busy dying. But the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart that night and said, no, you need to get busy dying so you can get busy living. And that's where this message was born from. Because we have been intentional in our house to start dying to Phil, dying to Patty, 
decreasing so that Jesus can increase. Jesus considered himself of no reputation. And that's how we should all feel. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. He humbled himself to the cross. And we too need to be living under the shadow of that cross. These men and women that, whose lives are being transformed there at Calvary Commission, they are, uh, it was amazing the relationships that we experienced began last weekend because you, know, you, can, you could discern a sincerity about their desire to die, to die, to die to what they want and to live to, to the, for the kingdom of God to be expanded one soul at a time. That's what should be our prayer in all of our lives is to get busy dying so we can get busy living. My mother and my dad raised me up in the church, but I was religious. I had no relationship. What a difference. Believing in God in your mind versus your heart. And so I ran away for 29 years from Memphis, Atlanta to Aspen, wine, women's song, drugs, Harley Davidson, you name it, anything to fill up the emptiness inside because I was empty inside. It was when I was 29 years of age living in Aspen, a guy came to town and said, hey, I keep an apartment down in Fort Lauderdale. You're welcome to use it. So I went down there in 78 to use that free apartment. Another guy came down to spend a, uh, some vacation, I thought, but no, he had been ripped off in a drug deal months earlier, the tune of $30,000, reportedly. And he couldn't catch the guy had ripped him off, so I stupidly, everybody say stupid. Okay, let's do that a little better. Stupid. Thank you very much. I stupidly volunteered to help him gain access to this apartment. I'm on the top of a five-story building, and I climbed down a rope to get to the third floor balcony. How many people have tried that lately? Yeah, stupid. I jumped over the balcony, let him in the front door, found a lot of money that I wanted to leave, but no, he wanted to wait till the guy came home. And that's when my true color surfaced. No more macho. It was all chicken then. Speaking of chickens, by the way, years ago we came out here to, the first time we came to ministry at Living Word, we brought our performing potbelly pig with us. His name was Wilbert. He was right out there in the grassy area. Yes, I miss those days. We didn't eat the pig, by the way. Just want to let you know. Yeah. What a history. Chicken and a pig. Did you hear about the chicken and the pig that went to church? They passed a collection plate. The chicken dropped in a couple of eggs. Turned to the pig, says, you give some too. Pig turned to the chicken, says, for you, it's a donation. To me, it's a total commitment. <laughs> Does that not, is that not what our father deserves, a total commitment? He wants us to be on fire for him or on fire for the devil because if we're lukewarm, it makes him sick. Full commitment. We can't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. But we've got to remember that, when, that, that, that God always rewards those who's, who are diligent, who are disciplined, who are intentional to die to self so he can increase in our lives and live his life through us. So uh, in that apartment, back to the chicken, the, uh, uh, I found some wine and pretty soon I had all the false courage I needed to stand by this guy's side no matter what came down. That's called false courage. And you know, we can hide behind a lot of false courages, can't we? False idols and other things to try to think that we're somebody when we're really nobody. God gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. 
Before Big Bad John came home, the guy with me found a 357 Magnum in a bedside table. And he hands me, a drunk, this gun. I don't want any gun. I went deer hunting growing up in Tennessee, but, you know, two-legged deer, four-legged deer, but shooting people wasn't part of my MO. You know what I'm talking about? I was a selective center, and so are some of us. But he laid the gun down, and I'm still sipping my wine, and that's when the door swung open, and Big Bad John stood there. He didn't even see that gun, or I would be dead instantly. He ran in the other room to get his gun, and I jumped up and grabbed the gun, followed him in there, expecting him to raise his hands like they do on television or in the movies, you know? But he forgot his script. That's when he charged me, knocked the gun out of my hand. It was reality, no more compromise. It was him or me. I wrestled over his magnum with him. The gun began going off. The third shot shattered my femur bone. And I collapsed and pretended I was dead. He knelt down, put the gun to my head, and went click twice. He's out of bullets. But don't cry for me, Argentina. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Never mind. I, won't, I need some training, don't I? Clay, I need some training, don't I? Okay. He threw his gun down and he ran out and he was shot twice with this guy, by this guy. But he didn't die, thankfully. And God loves him just as much as he loves me. And he loves those that have hurt you and abandoned you, abused you in your life just as much as he loves you. That's the reason when we take communion, it's so vital, it's so important that we search our hearts. And if there's anything, any ought in our heart toward anybody, we need to clean that slate and get it under the blood. Because we don't know what people have gone through in their formative years to cause them to become who they are today. That's another reason God gave me his perspective about prisoners a long time ago, including myself. Because over 80% of those in prison didn't have a dad present in their life. It's so important to look past what, yes, there is a consequence for sin and wrong choices. But it's important to look from God's perspective to look at people as, you know, they, they are just as important as we are. And they deserve a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, just like we do. The, uh, uh, Tom ran to me and said, come on, let's go. And I said, don't worry, I'm, I'm not going to snitch on you. I can't walk. And he went out the window. Bruce Lee, I guess he thought he was. When the police arrived, the only person there was me, of course. They took me to a neighboring hospital. I very stupidly waved my rights and gave them a full confession on tape recording to cover for the guy that got away. Everybody say, stupid. There's your chance again. I waived my rights. Do you know what that means? It was full of lies because I was a liar. We're born with a lying nature, amen? But I didn't want my mama to find out. But mamas always find out, don't they? And God never sleeps. But they had a confession. Then they took me across town to another hospital, my new, uh, my new home for six months in traction, and then a body cast for six more months before they ever did surgery. But I needed to get knocked down so hard, nowhere to look but up. On the 19th day, the guard was taken away, the medication was taken away. The next day, a young man transferred from another floor, put in the bed next to me. I didn't know he was a Christian. I usually ran away from people past out those tracks, you know what I'm talking about? I did it my way. But there is a way that seemeth right unto man, and the end thereof is destruction. But this guy next to me heard my tears. I was 29 years of age, as I said earlier, and I always believed the lie that real men don't cry, which is a bunch of baloney. He pulled the curtain back, and he said, can I ask you a couple questions? I said, yes, sir. He said, first of all, if you were to die today, do you know for sure you'll go to heaven? I asked you that, too. 
If you were to die today, do you know for sure you'll go to heaven? And I turned to this man and said, I don't think so. And then he said this, God forbid you should die, but tomorrow is not promised to any one of us. What if you die and you went before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ and he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say to him? Well, October 17, 1978, I turned to this man and I said, well, I went to church growing up. I sang in the choir. I sang Kumbaya around the campfire. They didn't have s'mores back then, but the marshmallows sure were good. Thank you back there. Thank you for getting that. All those works, bottom line, all those works. And all it took was one single scripture. I didn't need to memorize this chapter, have to do this or do this. It was for by grace are you saved through faith. It's a free gift. Everybody say free gift. Not of works, lest anybody should boast. And that night I asked Jesus into my heart. No lights went flashing, no skyrockets, but I got a peace in my heart I never had in my entire life. It was real. It was real. It was not based on circumstances. One night later, my hospital bed was surrounded not by cops and robbers, but by people from this guy's church. They had a birthday cake with one candle on it and presents to welcome me into the family of God. My first birthday as a child of God, I was one day old. The next day, this young man who led me to Jesus was transferred back to his original room. I later learned I was the first person he had ever witnessed to about Christ. Only God could do something like that. Only God. And then someone gave me a book called Johnny, Johnny Erickson Tata. Paralyzed from the neck down. Wheelchairs for the world. I don't know if you've heard of her. Billy Graham did a movie on her life. She paints with her mouth. Her, Her disabilities don't hold her back at all. Because the greater one lives in Johnny. And she, her heart was encountered, encountered by Jesus Christ. It was so real. And she began to get busy dying and get busy living. Her favorite scripture was from the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, 18. It says, rejoice always. Everybody say rejoice always. Pray unceasingly. And give thanks. In All circumstances. For this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning us. What is his will? Give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always. Do we always do that? No, we don't. But the more time we spend in the presence of God, dying to ourselves, Jesus increases, it's easier. It becomes like rote. We practice it. It takes practice. When someone pulls over in front of us too quick, and it's not always easy to rejoice. All kinds of adversity in our life. Unless God heals me, I'm going to have a complete shoulder replacement when I get back to California. And I'm looking forward to it. Though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed. That's the key right there. That we decrease to ourselves and allow the Spirit of God to increase in us. So then we can live the life that God has called us to live. As I was there in the hospital bed with Jesus in my heart, I began to practice giving thanks. I'm thinking to myself, Johnny Erickson might not ever walk again. She's in a far worse prison. I'm going to go to prison. I'm going to get out. I'm going to walk again. So she, I thought, was in a far worse prison. You know, it's really, really important that sometimes we just change our perspective and look around and other people are a lot worse off than we are in the situations that we're going in. The, uh, 
As I began to do that, it changed me from the inside out. I began to soar. I'm in that hospital, but it didn't matter. My public defender who uh, came into my life, oh, first of all, a sister that was visiting me, she hired an attorney to represent me, a, a Messianic Jewish attorney. So a full package deal, I like to say. He walked into my hospital room. He said, are you Mr. Hicks? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, I've been hired by this young lady to represent uh, uh, you. And I said, sir, she works at a 7-Eleven store. She can't afford an attorney for me. Besides, I'm going to honor my dad, because I began writing him, and get a public defender. Because he surmised that this is my first offense, so surely they'll give me probation, and then I can come home and tell my mom myself. First offense or first time caught? For me, it was the first time caught. It was a life of compromise, and God hates compromise. He cannot bless compromise. That's the reason he wants us to choose the high road, the narrow road, the narrow road that leads to life eternal, that very few find it, he says. The second thing Mr. Kaufman said was, um, um, Mr. Hicks, uh, this hour has been, been paid for already, so why don't you go and tell me your story? Then you can release me of the legal counsel. So I decided to tell him the truth. Everyone say truth. When I, the, the, the confession I made, that was the lies. Now I'm telling the truth as a child of God. I told him the truth. I signed the release. He's walking out of the hospital room, and then he stopped. He came back to my bedside and said, can I leave a couple words of advice with, with you? And I said, yes, sir. He said, first of all, the young lady that works at that 7-Eleven store or wherever she worked, if it's God's will, he'll foot the bill. Amen? If it's his will, he will foot the bill. He wants us to take risk. He wants us to step out. He promises favor over our lives, according to Luke 2.52, when we grow in wisdom and character, and character is what we do when no one's watching but God. He promises favor when we grow in wisdom and character, favor from our Father God and favor in the marketplace. Mr. Kaufman said this next. He said, it was pretty well, it was in my face too. He said, I would encourage you, forget about asking Jesus into your heart. Forget about all this peace and joy and all this family of love. If you don't go in that courtroom and tell the whole truth, you owe nothing to the guy that got away. And he left, and I had my second cry of 29 years. I knew what I had to do. I had to tell the truth. I wasn't planning on compromising. I thought I could forget the past. That's what the Word says. But sometimes God requires what is past, according to Ecclesiastes. That spring, I went through a three-day trial in a body cast. I was cast for that part. Thank you very much. Bob, you'll get that later. Everything was stacked against me in the natural, and that's the way that sometimes we feel in our own lives, that everything is stacked against us. But if we're really in Christ Jesus, we know that he is a way maker, he's a promise keeper, he's a chain breaker, and he is able. God is able. But we got to seek the kingdom first. In his righteousness, that includes purity. Seek the kingdom first in his righteousness. And when we do that, we can be assured because God is not a liar and he is going to make sure that all these things that we need are going to be added to us. But we've got to put the kingdom first. The kingdom of God comes first. And Philippians 1.12 says, For the things which have happened unto us have happened unto the furtherance of the gospel the feathers of the kingdom of God. No matter what has happened to you bad, or you failed, it doesn't matter. As long as you allow that test to become a testimony, we overcome by the 
word of our testimony. Amen? The, uh, Three-day trial. The big John wanted to drop charges. But he, the police talked him into it. So you know something was going on in his, his chicken pen. And then the confession I made was admitted as evidence. It was all stacked against me in the natural. But God, whose eyes move to and fro throughout the whole earth, looks for those whose hearts are fully surrendered so he can show himself strong on your behalf. On your behalf. On your behalf. He wants us to be fully surrendered. Amen? I insisted I be allowed to tell the truth. My attorney said, you're facing life 30. Don't say a word. They're not going to believe you anyway. You already got this confession. Now you're changing it. That makes sense, doesn't it? But I knew in my heart I had to tell the truth. And God was leading me to do that, convicting and compelling and leading me to do that. And I told the truth to that jury, and it flipped them out. They could not believe it. I would do something so stupid as to tell the truth. The jury was, they, they, were, they were just dumbfounded by this. The judge stopped the trial, sent the jury in, came back, guilty, guilty, guilty. They sentenced me to life plus 15 years in prison. Life plus. In Florida, you're required to do 7 to 10 on the life before you start to 15. I kidded one with my public defender and some of the, my friends. I said, they might make me do the life, but they'll never get the 15 years. Think about it. Think about it. It didn't matter because nine months earlier, I began to die to Phil. I began to die to what Phil wanted, and I began to intentional pursue the kingdom of God. The Christians from four different denominations gathered around my body cast, and, and we gave thanks in all circumstances, and then we meant it. And it was the next day that I was flown up to a prison hospital. They rebuilt my leg. The University of Florida football doctors that hasn't helped my football throwing arm, but I can dance now. Thank you very much. And then it was Christmas Day, 1979, I walked into a maximum security prison called Rayford, Florida, and God was showing up and showing off. Last two months ago, I had the honor of going back to Rayford to preach for the third time. Quite the experience. Talking about memories. It was amazing. That's what the story, my testimony, uh, is, talks about on how God was with me in the mountaintops and the valleys. About a year passed, and one night a letter arrived from my, the Florida Supreme Court. They vacated my entire life 15 sentence. When I told the truth, yes, the truth sets you free, but then truth requires honesty, integrity in the heart, and it's got to start at home. It's got to start at home in our relationships with our children, our wives, our husbands, our families. It's got to start with our, in our marketplace, in our jobs. It's so important that we walk in integrity. Amen? When I told the truth, Corinthians came into play, and God used the foolishness of the world to confound the wise, and the judge forgot to read jury instructions. I sought the kingdom. My case goes to the appeal court. Based on somebody else's case, the Florida Supreme Court reversed the law saying, judges, you have to read jury instructions. Because my judge failed to do that, and every inmate in the state of Florida correctional institution system whose judge failed were let go. Had I not told the truth, I wouldn't be walking in freedom. There's a direct correlation to telling the truth. The word of God 
just being your, 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 your plumb line in your life. It's got to be honestly in the form of the vertical, the cross, yes, us and God, but then also to those around us. Guess what happened the next year? I got set free from prison, and the next year the Supreme Court changed the law back. Seriously. Only God, only God can do these things. And he's not a respecter of persons. He wants to show the same grace and mercy and favor on your lives as he does in mine and anybody else if we're really seeking him and surrendering fully to him. It's so important that we do that. So important that we do that. We can't just, just give him, if we're, if we're on a fence, we're weaving back and forth, we're like double-minded. And not, don't think that person should receive anything from God. If you want blessing on your family, on your children, then it starts with you. It starts with us. You want blessing on your grandchildren, it starts with you. Because the Bible reminds us that the, 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 the curses come down two and three generations. And those curses have to be broken. They've got to be broken. There's something else I want to read to you that's really touched my heart. This is a prophetic word that's on the wall outside of San Quentin, a prison out there in California. It says treasures in prison cells, but it speaks to every one of us in the perspective from God that should be in us. Let this mind be in us and you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Bill Young is in prison ministry up in the New England states, and he's the one that penned this prophecy. He said, it was late and I was tired. I wanted to go to sleep, but God wanted to talk. It was about midnight, but it dawned on me that God does not sleep. His question made me restless. He said, Bill, where on earth does man keep his most priceless treasures and valuables? I said, Lord, usually these treasures like gold, silver, diamonds, and precious jewels are kept locked up somewhere out of sight, usually with guards and security to keep them under lock and key. God spoke, like man, my most valuable treasures on earth are also locked up. I saw Jesus standing in front of seemingly thousands of prisons and jails. The Lord said, these have almost been destroyed by the enemy. Almost been destroyed by the enemy. But these souls have the greatest potential to be used and bring forth glory to my name. Tell my people, tell my church, I'm going this hour to the prisons to activate the gifts and callings that lie dormant in these lives that were given before the foundation of the earth. Out from these walls will come forth a spiritual army that will have power to literally kick down the gates of hell. And overcome satanic powers that are holding many of my people bound in my own house. Tell my people that there are great treasures behind these walls in these forgotten vessels. Most people must come forth. I mean, my people must come forth and touch these lives. For a mighty anointing will be unleashed upon them for future victory in my kingdom. They must be restored. Then I saw the Lord step up to the prison doors with a key. One key fit every lock and the gates began to open. I then heard and I saw a great explosion that sounded like dynamite going off behind the walls. It sounded like an all-out spiritual warfare. Jesus turned and said, tell my people to go in now and pick up the spoil and rescue them. Jesus then began walking in and touching inmates who were thronging him. Many being touched instantly began to have a golden glow come over them. God spoke to me, there's the gold. Others had a silver glow around them. There's the silver. Like slow motion, they began to grow into what appeared to be giant knights in armor like warriors. 
They had on the entire armor of God, and every piece was solid and pure gold, even golden shields. When I saw the golden shields, I heard God say to these warriors, now go and take what Satan has taught you and use it against him. Go and pull down the strongholds coming against my church. The spiritual giants then started stepping over the prison walls with no one to resist them, and they went immediately to the very front line of the battle with the, of the enemy. I saw them walk right past the church, and big-name ministers, known for their power with God, were surpassed by the giant warriors like David going after Goliath. They crossed the enemy's line and started delivering many of God's people from the clutches of Satan, while demons trembled and fled out of sight of their presence. No one, not even the church, seemed to know what these spiritual giants were or where they came from. All you could see was the armor, the golden armor of God, from head to toe, and the shields of gold were there. The shields were restored to God's house, and they were great victory and rejoicing. I saw also silver, precious treasures, and vessels being brought in. Beneath the gold and silver were the people that nobody knew. Rejects of society, street people, the outcasts, homeless, the poor, and the despised. These were the treasures that were missing from the house. In closing, the Lord said, if my people want to know where they are needed, tell them they are needed in the streets, the hospitals, the missions, the prisons. When they come there, they will find me in the next move of my spirit. And they will be judged by my word in Matthew 25, 42. I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. When we minister to the least of these, we're ministering to, unto Jesus. Amen? We've got to get past our mindset of, of prisoners or these people or why these people are homeless and look at Look from God's perspective and walk in that unconditional love. And it's got to start at home. When I was in prison, after I got the life 15, and there I was. Um, you had to go to the parole board after you get in prison. It doesn't matter what the judge gives you. And by the way, how many ex-offenders are, are in here today? Raise your hand if you're an ex-offender. Praise God, this is wonderful. You should have seen me ask that question at Lindale last week. Everybody raised their hand. So I went to the pro man. They said, we're going to add more time for this because there's a gun involved. And then because of restitution and this, that, and the other. And it was a little discover discouraging. And I'm, I'm, I'm still on crutches. And I'm crutching back to my housing area. And I stopped to tie my tennis shoe. About a foot from my tennis shoe, there was a reflection in the grass. And I reached over, and there was a door key in the middle of this 2,000-acre prison. And I reached down and got this door key, and on the door key, it said, Oral Roberts University Prayer Tower. There's a prayer tower in the center of that university, and people 24-7 would come and pray. And they used to send out these keys for people, I guess, sending donations, etc. But the Lord reminded me right then, after I had that major test, that I'm the one that holds the key for your future. I am the key. And that was the kind of faith-building thing that kept happening in my life. I had never been water baptized. Because when you're a body cast, you just float. Thank you very much. You'll get it later, Clay. But that spring, four months after arriving at Rayford, a number of the brothers were coming up to, to be with me and celebrate a mountaintop experience. I was going to be water baptized. And it was amazing. And then afterwards, we went out in the Vincent Park for a Sorbalk cheeseburger. You take those things for granted. But after that mountaintop experience, and I've so learned that a lot of times when we have mountaintop experiences, look out. 
Be sober-minded, be vigilant because your adversary is roaming around to steal your joy. And so uh, I'm crutching back. No, wait a minute, I'm off crutches by that time, thank you. Uh, I go back to my housing area, and I'm in my cell, and I'm thinking, the Lord, at that time I was in the area of the prison, didn't have bars, they had a, a solid door with a slit in there if you got mail, or that's when the guard shines a light in on you to check, make sure you're all right. And a guy knocks on the door. I open the door. He started screaming at me and cussing at me and threatening me, saying that I'd snitched him out on some money that his cousin gave him in the visiting park. I never. This is all made up. But God gave me the grace. A soft answer turns away wrath. And I said, I've never seen you before. Your cousin got the wrong guy. He said, I'm going to be back in five minutes, so you better have my money or else. Well, he left and... Of course, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but he also doesn't give, he gives us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Amen? So I wasn't going to open that door for him when he come back. I ain't that stupid. So, uh, but a short time later, the door swung open. He got himself a key from my roommate, my cellmate. My cellmate ran in with another guy to jump on the bunk. They wanted to see the Christian fall. And if we're in Christ Jesus, there's going to be a target on all of our lives People that, that don't want you to have victory in your life. It's important to guard what we've been given by Christ Jesus. Amen? To guard that precious gift. And this guy starts screaming at me, et cetera, and all, and suddenly I yelled out, I didn't yell out, I said, you can hurt my body, but you can't hurt my soul. That's when my roommate yelled out, that's right, that's in the Bible. Because he had spent a lot of time in lockup, and all they had was a Bible to read. That's also what they roll their joints on, but that's another thing. And the guy takes his shirt off. He wants to swap hands. And my back's up against the wall, literally. He stuck his fingernail in my face. When he did, the Lord reminded me, he just showed me the picture of the thorns in his head, and the nails in his body. What's a fingernail? I had begun preparing my soul by reading books like Merlin Carruthers, Prison to Praise, Power to Praise. And how Jesus lives in our praises. Amen. This guy backs out of the way. I stood up. And suddenly the spirit of God fell on me. And I began to praise him. I love what we talked about today. We sang about, about worshiping. Out of the mouth of babes thou hast ordained strength. Amen. To seal the enemy. It's not people but the spirit in them. Amen. And I began to worship. And suddenly this guy grabbed his ears and started screaming and said, Shut that up. I can't stand that. Get out of here. And I said, I'm not going anywhere. This is my cell. You leave. No, I didn't. And they all took off. That night, as a knock on the door, I opened the door. He came back. He said, we're making sandwiches upstairs. Would you like a sandwich? <laughs> no, he didn't say that. He said, your roommate said you've got some loaf bread. Can we get some bread? I said, sure. I did not know that the word of God was coming to life when I did this, heaping burning coals on his head. Showing kindness. But he stopped before he left with that bread and he said, listen, I just want you to know that I'm sorry about this afternoon. My cousin said it wasn't you, which was all fabricated, but it didn't matter. He was convicted by the Spirit of God. So then I was able, that Romans 8.28 thing, kicking in, I was able to share the bread of life with this man. He came for a loaf bread, but he left with the bread. He could be in heaven. It's not about counting numbers, though, is it? We just plant, or we water, and let God 
be the one that brings the increase in our lives. Amen. It's so important that we're fully surrendered to him. It's so vital, especially in this day and age. Because we pray that everything's getting going to get better, and prayerfully it will. And we're, we're, we're so uh, caught up in a conversation against the new government, not knocking any Democrats in the room, just don't get around, you know, against this or this or the border about immigrants and all. But we need to have a paradigm shift in our minds and look at people and life from God's perspective. If, if his mind really is in you, in, in you as it is in Christ Jesus. I mean, for years, we've sent missionaries to Mexico. Now God's allowing them to come here. I mean, this is a mission field. And if our conversations bring glory to God, it's, it's not, it, then we've got to stop complaining. He says to do all things in, with, without murmuring so that you can be shining lights. Think about it. Because we're not our own anymore, are we? We are not our own. And as we get... Uh, as, as we're intentional to die to ourselves and what we want and our plans and goals and allow the Spirit of God, Jesus, increasing in us, our lives are so much easier, so much better. That's when we can enjoy this heaven on earth that we pray for. Amen? I'd like to close in prayer if you would just bow your heads, please. Father God, I just thank you, thank you, thank you for this precious group of miracles. Every one of them are a miracle. Every one of them are a miracle, and every one of them are so loved by you. And you love us so much, you don't want us to stay the way we are. But you want to bring us into that place of abundance, abundant life. Your word says in Ephesians, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above more than we could ever ask or think, according to your power that works in us. I pray that you would release a double portion of your Holy Spirit into the lives, the hearts of everybody in this room and those on the stream, Lord, and our family members, extended family. I pray that you would rain down upon us all, God, that you would ignite our hearts, awaken us, oh God. We want to be alive in you, alive in you and dead to ourself, dead to our own nature, dead to what we want. And say, Lord, we want your will to be done, not our will, but yours and yours only to be done. I pray for a, a special grace upon everybody in this room who are struggling, that are in need. I pray that you'd be the, the, the fulfillment of their needs, God. That you would be their answered prayer. And that you would do this quickly. Increase their faith, oh God. Increase their faith. If there's anybody in this room that does not have the assurance of salvation, and you want to know, starting out this new July 4th, uh, this celebration, and that you want to know for sure that you're going to heaven, I'd like to invite you to raise your hands like I did so long ago in that hospital bed. Anyone that needs to know Jesus personally, lift up your hands, please. Don't let pride rob you. Thank you, thank you. Don't let pride rob you. Don't let the enemy, the deception, the, his accusations rob you of knowing Jesus. He so desires for you to be his, a member of his family, to be his children, to not be anxious, to not walk in fear, to be able to walk free in him. Anyone else, if there's any hesitancy, that you want to know for sure so we can pray with you today. Thank you.
anyone else. He says that in Revelation 3.19, be zealous and repent. And then behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me and ask me, I'll come in. He's knocking on the door of your heart this very moment. He's, he's just waiting on you. He's, he's been calling after you. He's been running after you for years. He loves prodigals. He loves prodigals. He wants you to come home. If you're weary and heavy laden, he's calling you today to come home to him. It's time to come home. Anyone else, just lift your hands and join these others. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? The Bible says that when one person repents, the angels are rejoicing and they're, I can hear them singing, they are rejoicing over you right now. But God's hand is not short. He's, he hurts when those that are, are sitting there and not wanting to respond. But he is so merciful, so merciful. So those three that raise their hands, I'd like for you, God says if you'll stand before man, then he will stand before his heavenly father, Jesus says. So you three, won't you stand to your feet right now and be counted for the glory of God? Mm. Come on over here and raise your hand. There you go, precious. Don't look. No one's looking. Everyone is rejoicing with you. It's not too late. Not too late. Anyone else want to stand to your feet? Okay, everyone just pray this prayer with me. Everyone join them and say, Dear Father, I thank you for loving me despite myself. And I believe you are the creator of the universe. And you created me. And I believe that Jesus is the son of God who gave his life so that I can have life. And I now ask you to come into my heart, Jesus, and forgive me of my every sin. Wash me in your blood. Give me a testimony and help me to stop loving my life to the end. Father, I just ask you to fall upon these three and also those that aren't standing, Lord. Fall upon their families, Father. I ask you to, to reveal yourself to them. Open the eyes of their heart that they can experience you in the real love that they've desired all their lives. And we give you praise. We ask you to raise up a hedge of protection around them, around their families. Pray that you would bless their lives so that they can be a blessing to others. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you're struggling with anything in your thought life, your flesh, anything else, I'd like to pray a corporate prayer over you. If you have struggles in anything, just stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet. I'm standing. I'm standing. I need prayer. Anyone else? Don't think that anybody doesn't have struggles because as long as we've got these thoughts between our ears, we all need prayer. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you for your honesty. Anyone else? Anyone else? Father, I thank you that you are a chain breaker and your grace is sufficient and your strength is made perfect in our weakness. I thank you, God, that you understand and I ask you, Lord, that you would just, uh, just release a, a spiritual axe over the chains that have held my brothers and sisters in prison for, since an early age. In Jesus' precious name, I ask you, God, to be that chain breaker, that you would break things off their life and cleanse their thoughts, Lord. 
Purify their hearts, Father. We come against fear in Jesus' name. We come against unbelief in Jesus' name. We come against compromise, God, in the love for the world, the things of the world, in the name of Jesus. And Father God, I just pray that you would give them a double portion of your Holy Spirit to walk in victory from this day forward, from this day forward. Lord, help us all to be intentional, to die to ourselves, to get busy dying so we can get busy living with you. In Jesus' precious name, go after the prodigals in our family lines, Father, nonstop. Help us to be uh, uh, patient and not to preach, but just allow you, Jesus, to live through us. And we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to return to Living Word. Amen. Wow, what an amazing testimony. And we just want to thank Phil and his wife, Patty, for the amazing blessing that they are to us. So can we give them one more hand? And, you know, we don't do this often, but we really want to send them out with a blessing today. So we're going to be taking up a love offering. Anything that you put in these baskets will go directly to Phil and Patty. So, um, as he was saying, let's send them back to prison. Let's do that with joy. The scriptures tells us in Corinthians that if somebody has imparted something spiritual to you, we have the opportunity to give back. And we give material blessings. The ushers have come forward, and they're right there next to you. And as we sing this next song, let's give with our heart to Phil and Patty and watch them be a blessing to many other people. God bless you.
bless you. Happy 4th of July.